Hello, everyone. This is Alan Wolf, and welcome to the Navigating Hollywood podcast. I'm a filmmaker, author, and game creator, and today we're going to be talking with Daniel K. Ho and his wife, Deborah King, about his writing career and about their marriage, the joys and challenges of being married in Hollywood. Dan is a writer on ABC's drama, Station 19, which is a spinoff of Grey's Anatomy. Dan, can you tell us a little bit just about what the show's about? And, and then I'd love to hear just what brought you to this point in your career. Sure. Station 19 is a, uh, it's a drama on ABC. We're in our fourth season now. Uh, it's a show about first responders, so paramedics and firefighters who live in the same world as Grey's Anatomy. So the station, Station 19, is based in Seattle. It is based on the real station in the middle of Seattle called Station 20, but there is no actual Station 19. So we decided to call our show Station 19 so it wouldn't be confused with any real station. But in the show, it is only a few blocks down the street from Gray Sloan Memorial, which is a hospital on Gray's Anatomy. Mm -hmm. And when the show started, we took one of the main characters from Gray's Anatomy, transplanted him onto our show. That's Ben Warren, which is Bailey's husband. So, so that is the sort of the, the continuing thread that ties the two worlds. And then uh, every season we do multiple crossover episodes uh, that further solidify just the fact that these two worlds are linked and we'll have characters going back and forth on each show. I mean, this is really, this is an amazing, it seems like a really amazing career opportunity for you to be writing on the show. Can you just walk us through what this journey was like, just bringing you where you are today? Sure. I, I became interested in writing long time ago. I, 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 my, my, my first career was actually medicine. So I'm an ER doctor, uh, but I always knew that I wanted to write and share stories and being an ER doctor, you get to see a lot of things and you interact with a lot of people. You hear a lot of stories just in the course of doing your job because uh, the ER basically attracts all comers, you know, people who get themselves in crazy situations. Um, and so as I was collecting these stories throughout my uh, first career, my life then, um, I, I, I started to want to share them because I was learning a lot about life and I was seeing a lot of things. And I knew that my brain was such that I would analyze these things and try to draw lessons and common themes from them, just, just, just sort of from my own uh, growth and development. But I knew that there was probably more that I could do with it. Um, and so uh, I began to explore creative writing and, and, and how to go about that. I had no idea really where to start. I, I didn't know anyone else who worked in the entertainment industry, but I, you know, just, I took some, I took some extension classes at UCLA. I, I sort of learned how to write in the script format, bought some software, read some books. And then over the course of about like maybe eight years or so, slowly honed my craft on the side while I was working as an ER doc and eventually got to the point where my writing, I guess, was good enough to get the attention of some people that were decision makers in the industry. I got into one of the diversity writing programs, the CBS one, um, which then allowed me to get staffed on my first show. Uh, Station 19 is the second show that I've worked on now. And hopefully one day I'll be able to tell my own stories and create my own shows too. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, wow. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, you hear different voices. I mean, I, uh, I'm a fan of the podcast Script Notes, and I've heard more than once 
particular Craig Mason say, you can't learn to write by reading books, but that's exactly what you did. You read books and then that was part of your process. Like in a way it's, it's, it's inspiring for people that want to write and feel like maybe they don't have any connections or they don't have any film school background. I mean, you didn't have any of that and you were a doctor while you were learning how to write. I mean, that's just such an incredible story. <laughs> it took a lot of like a lot of my extra time was spent learning this craft. And so it didn't come, you know, easily, right? Like Malcolm Gladwell says, in order to do anything really well, you got to spend 10,000 hours doing it. And I don't know if I spent 10,000 hours, but I spent many, many, many hours, you know, days, weeks, months, years trying to develop this new way of thinking and writing and communicating that's totally different from anything I had done before in terms of medical training or whatever, but I had a passion for it. And I knew what the end goal was. It, it wasn't to become famous or make a name for, for myself. It was really to share stories and things that I really felt like had been put inside me mm. that I couldn't just contain within myself. I, I just had to share it. And hopefully there was somebody that would be willing to watch or listen. Right. Now, Deb, did you think your husband was crazy when he was trying to do this? Uh <laughs> Initially, a little bit. Um, I said, you have a perfectly great career. There are a lot of folks out there who are trying to become physicians, uh, a physician, and, and here you are, you know, kind of going off on a tangent and exploring another industry. But I got used to it. I mean, his, his motivation and his passion for writing and storytelling is something I haven't quite seen before. So mm. there was just no getting in the way of that. So it's either you support or you support. So I completely support him. <laughs> and did you know about this passion when you first got married? Not really, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> and how far into your marriage did you first discover this? It was like oh. first year. First year, second year. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. yeah. And Dan, why do you think this didn't come up? Like, what you know, when you got married, why did it? Why is it something that came up later? Well, the timing of things was such that you know, I finished residency in two thousand nine and took my first ER job shortly after that. I met Deb shortly after that, and you know, it. it I wanted to work a little bit first as an ER doctor before I jumped into trying to do a second career. And so during our course of dating and getting to know each other, this writing part of me was just really, if anything, a pipe dream still, like a very distant sort of occasional thought that I wasn't actively pursuing yet. You know, I, I wanted to pay off some loans, make some money, you know, get a, get a nest egg, you know, emergency fund, like all those things that you sort of want to do that for physicians, you delay a long time because we're in training for so long and you're not really making money. You're actually spending money to get the education. And so those early years when Deb and I first met, I was just trying to get my feet settled and on the ground. Um, but then once I felt like, like I sort of had a handle and some bearings, then something sparked inside me where I said, well, it's now or never. I need to start looking into this now. Um, and by then we were pretty much close to getting married. And I think it was after marriage that I or right around the time we got married that I took my first uh, class at UCLA Extension. And I don't know if Deb thought how serious I was about it at the time. But then over the next year or two, I began to get more and more into it, talking more and more about leaving one career to go into another one that's much less stable. 
And I commend her for, for believing in me and for not running away <laughs> and saying, I married you as this one person with a certain promise of stability and security. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now you want to go do like the most unstable job ever in the most unstable industry ever. But you Was know, that scary for you, Deb, <laughs> when he, when you're kind of getting to that point? It was a little concerning uh, because I wasn't sure how serious he was. And he had worked so hard to become an ER doc um, and he's great at his job. Um, so it was a little concerning, but it wasn't scary because I knew I was going to support him regardless. I mean, it's interesting that you went through that part of your journey because I do hear of stories with uh, married couples where one of them is pursuing entertainment and and sometimes that can take a lot of risks and sometimes it means seasons of things not really going well. And then you have to figure out like, well, am I going to still pursue this or am I going to go back to, you know, the other stable job? So, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see how you navigated that together. And, and Deb, uh, what do you, what is your background? What do you do for work? So I, I work in healthcare, um, but I work in the administrative setting. How, you know, I'd love to hear more about just your relationship story. How, uh, how did you two first meet? We met at a friend's birthday party in 2010 in Santa Monica. It was a rooftop restaurant, clear night, uh, beautiful <laughs> weather, stars were out. And Deb and I apparently had a friend in common who was, who was having this birthday party. And so I went and, you know, just hung out with friends that I knew were going to be there. And, and then at some point in the night, I noticed her and her friends sort of standing across the way, the other side of the rest restaurant. And, uh, and something inside me just made me want to go up and talk to her, which can be scary when there's somebody standing with all her girlfriends and you're just approaching like by yourself. I mean, it's not like I was bringing all these guys <laughs> with me and we're going to do a group thing. No, I just, I just went in solo and, and tried to pick her out of that crowd and strike up a conversation. And we, we sort of did it. it. It wasn't extra smooth that night. Like the conversation wasn't fantastic, but it was enough to, to follow up on afterwards. Interesting. And Deb, what was your first impression of Dan? He has perfect Asian pop star hair. <laughs> trendy clothes. So, and, and our mutual friend who had the birthday party is um, also in entertainment. He's an entertainment attorney, an entertainment law attorney. So when Dan came up to me, I thought he was some pop star from Asia. I thought he was a singer. And when he's a doctor, I thought he was kidding. That's oh my, my third career. Gosh. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And is that, is that, is that like hair, like big, how does that, what does that look like? The pop star hair just all over the place. <laughs> voluminous it's big it's spiky it's glossy it's nicer than my hair <laughs> awesome i cannot relate <laughs> oh my gosh Back my wife day, was I'm not sure attracted to my hair she did not think i was a rock star but <laughs> anyway <laughs> that's awesome okay and and how long did you date before you got engaged we got engaged in 2012, married in 2013. So yeah, about two and a half years or so. Okay. And do you remember the point when each of you looked at the other person and just thought, oh, like, yeah, 
I think I want to spend the rest of my life with that person. Like, remember that? Was there a moment for each of you when that hit you? That first moment of wanting to be serious came really after we had our first breakup. The following year, we had we had some problems. First, does that mean there was more than one breakup? Well, that was the first (laughs) major one, and we had maybe some small on and off things since then. Okay, who doesn't? But this first breakup was was sort of one where, you know, like we we didn't communicate very well. We have very different styles of communication, different ways of thinking, mm. uh, different cultural backgrounds. I was born and raised in the United States. She actually was born and raised in Asia. No, as I was born ex- here. Well, you were uh, okay, born here, but raised in Asia <laughs> um, as an expat. And so culturally, we didn't really connect that well either. And I was kind of confused, like, why do I like her so much. It's hard to find something in common. And that ultimately led to us parting ways for a little bit. But then, you know, during that time, shortly thereafter, I sort of snapped back and realized, well, I talked to some friends and I think they heard in my voice, they could still hear how much I wanted to be with her Mm. in some way that apparently I couldn't hear when I was speaking in terms of my, me hearing myself. And so they convinced me to go back (laughs) And, 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 you know, try to get her back. Or, and I think when my friends suggested that to me, it really clicked inside me. And somehow I saw her and the obstacles that we needed to overcome in a different light. And all of a sudden, what seemed impossible now seemed not only possible, but something that I really wanted to, to actually achieve, you know, success and victory in. What were some of those cultural differences that you had to kind of work through? Well, I'll, I'll say one of them is uh, language. Um, I don't speak Mandarin at all mm. and very little Cant- Cantonese, essentially none. Um, Deb speaks Mandarin very well. I think when you understand a language, you also understand the culture very well. Like the two go hand in hand because so much of language comes from a particular nation's cult culture, right? Like the way certain phrases are, are said or certain ideas are conveyed. And so I think that was emblematic of just how differently we saw the world in general because our languages were different and therefore the cultures that we had embraced and sort of maybe even subliminally absorbed over our earlier years was very different. I have a very Americanized sort of approach to life, uh, kind of maverick, bravado, that sort of a thing. I mean, as much as you can be for an Asian who still wants to be, you know, quiet and shy and swallow your pride. Um, (laughs) Deb grew up in a different way where there is a different understanding about how one generation relates to another, how one person sees him or herself in relation to society. Um, all those things are almost the polar opposite of an Americanized approach. Mm. So I think that played a lot into then also how you relate to somebody else in terms of a intimate relationship. Also, Mm. what your priorities are, how do you triage situations and determine what's the most important thing to do first, second, third. Right. And would you say that's something that you continue to work on in your marriage? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be lifelong. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. My wife is Persian, so she speaks Farsi fluently. So I can relate to some of the things you're talking about. I mean, there are these kind of cultural differences. I'm from Ohio, you know, originally, and it's just a very different sensibility from, if you know anyone from the Middle East, it's a very, it, culturally, it's very different. Everything's, you know, uh, forward with emotions and passion and, you know, I'm like Dayton, Ohio boy. So it's, <laughs> it's very different. So I can relate to you, yeah. you know. That, I probably got more in common with you than I do my wife. I mean, that's, <laughs> right, 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 right. Now, before you got married, I mean, some people have, I mean, and maybe most of us can have an idealized view of marriage where we just think, that's going to solve everything. It's going to be amazing. You know, did, and then when on the other side of it, you're like, oh, wow, this is so much more work than maybe I imagined. Where were each of you on that spectrum of how you saw marriage before you got married? Well, when you watch movies, they paint marriage as if this is like a beautiful fantasy unicorns and rainbows. No. <laughs> so that's what I thought. I went, oh, okay, well, once I get married, it's Prince Charming and this is going to be great. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a learning curve. Um, right. we, we didn't live together before we got married. So just moving in right away and like his habits and my habits, even the, you know, he's a morning person. I'm an evening owl. So even that was like, wow, things that we just had to get through, little hurdles. Um, so it's it's still a challenge, you know, six and a half years later, it's still a challenge, but it's okay. That's, it's what's gonna be a lifelong kind of learning experience to, to get to know each other and acclimate and be okay with it. Right. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot to obviously mm-hmm. learn about relationships and human dynamics in marriage. Uh, it's, it's definitely a mirror that is held up to you where you learn about all the ugly parts of you that you didn't necessarily realize until somebody really points them out to you or, or they start to cause a lot of problems because somebody is so close to you mm. that maybe just in your regular relationship with friends or maybe even your parents were not highlighted as much or, 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 or were more willing to be looked over because they were not your actual marriage partner. I will also say that I, I think, I mean, for what it's worth, I think being a storyteller, you're always looking for things in life that can become a good story idea. And good stories almost always come out of conflict and the subsequent resolution or whatever, you know, sort of becomes of that situation. And so being in a marriage with somebody who's very different, I think as somebody who sees life as a story and always looks for the narratives and the beginning, middle and end of a, of a particular situation, I think has helped me to sort of see how the many different things that we don't necessarily see eye to eye on how those things are still connected, how there's still common themes, not only in terms of what we're different at, but also common themes and sort of how to approach the the eventual resolution of them. Or learning that we just have to agree to disagree on some things, mm-hmm. and yet still, how do we find a way to move forward um, rather than resigning to per- like just being paralyzed? Mm. I would also add that Marriage brings 
maturity. Mm. Um, you are, you, we made a vow to each other and we're in it together for the rest of our lives. And when you're younger, if you don't, if something doesn't work out, whether it's a job or a hobby or a boyfriend, girlfriend, you just leave, right? Because that's, that's okay. But when you enter into a marriage and you make that vow and a commitment to each other for the rest of your life, you suck it up and you deal with it. You grow from it. It's not going to be perfect, but you're going to grow from it and it's going to be okay. So I think with marriage brings maturity. And I, I would say that's probably the biggest pro for me, at least I've grown so much and matured so much because of what Dan has taught me and what we've learned together. Mm. I remember my wife and I were watching the show Ted Lasso. Have you seen the show Ted Lasso? It's on Apple TV. Anyway, and at one point, uh, he uh, he's trying to figure out if he should stay in his marriage or not. And he asked one of the employees, he says, he's been married for like maybe 20 years. He's like, so how did you know your marriage is right? And he said, you know what? Whenever we went through the difficult times, it was easy. And that's what showed us that we're meant to be together. And Ra- my wife, Ramesh, and I, we just laughed. We're like, I mean, that's such a lie. I mean, it's like, come on. Yeah. And I, I just thought, wow, for all the couples watching this, her going through a difficult time, her thinking, wait a minute, this isn't easy. Maybe we're not supposed to be together. <laughs> it just flew in the face of everything that we have learned what our other couple friends have learned, even what I'm hearing from you too, that it's sometimes it's not easy. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, maybe it's a roller coaster where sometimes like, yeah, we're going down the hill and enjoying this. And other times it's like, oh, well, we're getting up the hill. And this is, it it can be a challenge. Has that felt like kind of your experience? Well, I think if we were looking at this from a story standpoint, I would say my alt pitch for that for that idea would be every time I hate my spouse, I know that I still love her. And I think that for me has been a very telling sign that, that this marriage is definitely something to stick with and commit to because I know how I really feel and think and believe about somebody, regardless of what I'm saying or projecting to them. And so, you know, when we have our fights and arguments, disagreements or whatever, you project yourself in a certain way to accomplish your goal, whether you're trying to persuade them or get back at them or whatever. But deep down inside, you know how you really feel and what you really believe. And I can say that in any difficult situation we've been in, I know that I still want to be with her, that I'm still committed to trying to live in harmony, but even more than that, committed to to wanting to be the very best example of a person I can be to her. And I know that she will for me and, and therefore then modeling that for her son. Um, oh yeah. Which is another thing. It's, it's not just us now, right? We have a child. And so you really learn that life is not about you and just your desires and maybe petty things that you sort of used as decision markers in the past, right? Now, when you have a child, it things shift even more to the point where even if you and your spouse are not getting along, you need to like there is an extra reason to really try to work it out or or not make hasty conclusions or decisions because now there is a third life involved. Mm. And did you find that having your son 
changed? I should ask, like, how did it change your marriage dynamic once you brought Dylan into the world? And how many years ago was that? Oh, he's four and a half now. Yeah, I think it's me. Dylan has brought us together. You learn to not sweat the small things. You pick your battles. Dylan, although having a child is, is, is challenging and it's a lot of work, but he has brought us so much joy and he has brought us closer, um, both Dan and I closer to each other and us closer as a family with Dylan. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think this was probably one of the <laughs> <laughs> biggest gifts we've ever been blessed with as a child. Uh, yeah. Hopefully another one, hopefully. <laughs> you know, they, they, no one, I mean, I don't know. When we, at my job, when we talk about stories and stuff, a lot of times we, sort of make fun of the idea of wouldn't it be funny if one of our characters said to, you know, his or her, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend or whatever, let's just have a kid together and that'll solve all our issues. And, you know, we make fun of that idea, but then some, sometimes we want to play into the comedy of it and see how far we can take it. I think for Deb and I in real life, having Dylan, it didn't solve our problems. It didn't help us get along any better, but it was a big extra piece of glue that made us stick together much, much more. Mm -hmm. And in times of conflict, having that extra glue there and realizing that you are a unit of three and not just two makes you think twice before deciding that you want to cut and run or say or act out something to that effect that you might otherwise be tempted to do if it was just the two of you. I'd love to talk some more about that and what's been helpful for you in your marriage. But I'd also like to say that this interview is sponsored by Navigating Hollywood that offers the marriage course for entertainment professionals. If you're married and you'd like to grow closer to your spouse, you'll want to check it out. It's a seven-week course that explores topics such as strengthening connection, the art of communication, resolving conflict, the power of forgiveness, the impact of family, and others. You can see more about it and sign up at navigatinghollywood.org. Again, that's navigatinghollywood.org. And while you're there, you can check out the other courses, such as the pre-marriage course and Alpha Hollywood as well. The mission of Navigating Hollywood is to encourage and equip entertainment professionals to live relationally and spiritually holistic lives. Dan and Deb, how do you try to work toward being relationally and spiritually healthy? I think the most important sort of core characteristic about us that keeps us together relationally with each other, but then also in part with our community um, is the fact that we both are, we share the same faith. We are Christians. We have a church community, but in terms of what that actually means, it means having really good social support and being very intentional in developing friendships I think the development of solid friendships these days almost seems to be a lost art because of all the social media and in all these less personal ways that we interact now. And I think oftentimes just settle for because it's much more convenient and easier than meeting somebody in person or even picking up the phone now, right? It's just text. But I'm a big believer in, you know, being present with somebody in person, you know, face to face one-on-one. I mean, that, that type of environment, I think, is really gives you the most potential for actual productive dialogue, for making connections, 
for getting at the honest truth about a particular situation. And then I think also developing a sense of bonding and security between you and that other person for the next time when something else hits. And then you can feel like you're on solid footing with that person um, and feel very safe and secure. We pray as a family together every night. So Dan mentioned earlier, we are strong Christians and um, our faith has kind of been at the forefront of our marriage. It's that that bond that holds us together. We have a kind of family practice of praying together with Dylan. He goes first um, together every night before bed. And we pray together as a family before each meal. So meaning that we share a meal together. Sometimes that doesn't always happen. And we are very involved in our community, as Dan was saying, uh, our church community, friendships outside of church. Yeah, I think having that spiritual bond and our like-mindedness and faith has kind of uh, let us grow closer together. Hmm. We're also very fortunate that we have our families close to us, both mine and hers, live in the Los Angeles area. You know, it's funny, like the first part of your life, you spend your life trying to get away from your parents as far as you can because you want to be independent. Once you have a kid, you want them as close by as they can be because you need their help. Uh, And so it's interesting how we've come full circle. And and the fact that they are close by means we get to see them a lot, like a lot, lot. And they get to see us and they get to see their grandchild. and, And so that really helps, too, because, you know, your family is your identity. And so as great as your friends are, they have their own families and their own upbringing that you didn't necessarily share, but your family is, has been with you from the very start. They know you, you know them. Hopefully if you have a good relationship with them and they're close by, um, that is, that is still, I think the most important component of a support group that you can have in life. As someone who's working in entertainment, I'm just curious if you could talk about just some of the, the, I'd love to hear the pluses and maybe some of the negatives, you know, like, and maybe some of this will be coming from you, Deb, because I'm, I don't know. I'm just curious, like what that can kind of bring into the marriage. And uh, I'd love to hear first the positives and then the challenges. So the positives, well, there are perks, right? So free movie screenings. Um, <laughs> every year before like award season, we would get a slew of DVDs, uh, for his consideration. <laughs> so those are really awesome perks. I have a husband who is extremely creative and I can always go to him to come up with brilliant ideas, even drafting emails. He's really good at writing, you know, my work emails, I'll run it by him occasionally. Mm. So, you know, Little perks here and there. And I always say, open it up with the story first. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I love it. Before you get into the nitty gritty of your graphs and your numbers and all that. My PowerPoint presentations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very charismatic person. So he keeps things interesting. He's got all these crazy, brilliant ideas. Mm. And it rubs off on Dylan. As a storyteller, I have found ways to engage Deb in my work in terms of bouncing ideas off of her and wanting to, you know, because like when it comes to the point of me wanting to tell a story that's organically from me, me now includes her and, and us. Um, and so telling stories, like especially anything that has a cultural bent to it, because her and I are culturally very different and ironic in a lot of ways, but 
now that's such a fascinating thing to me in so many of my ideas, whether they're ideas for the show I'm working on or ideas for the future for something that I want to write stem out of culture and cultural classes and the reconciliation of it. And so that's one way that I've found to engage Deb in terms of discussing ideas and sort of what fascinates me. And because it involves her, uh, it's something that she can feel included in also and sort of have a stake in. And so that's what really excites me about the future of, you know, if I get to tell a story one day that comes from me and us, then she can be an active part of it because she is. I charge him a consulting fee. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) As you should. Yes. (laughs) What are some of the negatives that you've experienced while working in entertainment? And maybe the negatives on your marriage or that just the challenge of that? Well, I think as as Dan mentioned earlier, it took him quite a bit of time to get where he is today. Mm. Um, He's very blessed. We are very blessed that he, you know, he's where he is today. And it's a very, very competitive industry. So I think it was a challenge for me to see him struggle in the initial stages. He tried, I've never seen anyone study, I mean, not study, work so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it was, it wasn't always, you know, roses and happy faces, you know, he had to fail many times to get where he is today. And so watching him stumble and get crushed um, had to pick him back, help pick himself back up and just to move on slowly was very difficult, but that speaks to his perseverance and his strength. He kept going. He never let anything bring him down or discourage him. So yeah, that, that was challenging in the beginning. So I'm glad kind of, you know, he's, he's settled and he's found um, a show to call home. Um, hopefully he'll stick around <laughs> for 10 seasons, <laughs> as many seasons as there, as there is. <laughs> Nice. (laughs) And what about from your side, Dan? It's hard. I mean, I'll speak as a man. It's hard to feel like you're failing. I know that I myself have a very strong sense of wanting to be, you know, the provider and the one who's sort of leading the way and can proudly, you know, sort of thrust my fist in the air and say, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to go and have confidence in me. And we're going to, you know, do this or that together. And, you know, I mean, obviously involving my wife in the decision-making, but I think for me, there's a certain sense of wanting to be alpha in that sense of, you know, ultimately sort of taking charge, but also taking the responsibility of leading the way for our family. And, and when there's something that you want to do, not directly family related, but something that's so important to you that you're so passionate about, and it's such a struggle to get it done then that affects your psyche and it bleeds into all the other areas of your life too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for all the, you know, writing competitions and writing programs and, you know, cold query emails and letters that I sent out to people trying to get someone to notice me, read my material, make a connection, get an agent, find a manager, uh, you know, writing coach. I mean, I've gone down those roads so many times before I ever found my first hint of success, like somebody actually responded. Like they took the time to respond back to me. And, and so that was really hard to take for the years that it was like that. I mean, that was truly an artist's struggle type of thing. Like I still had my ER job. I mean, it's not like I was really 
without any hope in terms of, you know, financial security or anything. But nevertheless, I felt the pain of when you want to do something so badly and you believe that you can, and yet it's just not happening and you don't know how long it's going to last, but it's lasted way longer than you ever thought it should last. Mm. And when you don't know when that's going to end, you do have a large temptation to give up on that. And that does bleed into other areas of your life. You become more disgruntled about things and sort of, you know, you have a more negative outlook because one thing's not going right. Other things start to feel like they're not going so great either. Well, what would you say to a a couple that might be going through that phase right now where one of them is just really struggling to make it and they are experiencing a lot of discouragement and maybe even hopelessness? What, What would you say to them? I mean, part of me wants to say, you know, hold on, you can do it. Have, you know, be hopeful. It'll happen if you put your mind and your heart to it. But then you can say that and it's just words. <laughs> I don't want to give false hope. Right. Um, I think what's important is if it's a couple that they're and they're married and, and committed to each other, whether it's the wife or the husband, you know, do not give up on your spouse. If he or she fails, it's never a failure. Okay. It's, it's really, I don't like the word fail. Um, it's never a true failure because there's always a lesson to be learned and just never give up on your spouse because he or she can need you when things are, are tough when 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 they fall flat on their face that's when you can shine the brightest so just hold on to your spouse's hand don't let go keep supporting him or her it may it may never work out and that's okay um but what's more important is that you guys stay together and you tackle it as a partnership as a couple um and and as husband and wife in the end i tend to be a practical minded person i just can't help it um and so You know, I've had more than a few friends who have been actually in those situations. You know, they want, he or she wants to pursue entertainment. They're going through a lot of struggle and the spouse is not quite understanding it and is losing patience and is feeling the negativity that comes from rejection because that other person is hearing the word no so many times. And so they bring home that to their, you know, marriage. I would say, I think it's always helpful to, to feel like you have a plan. And so a plan, not only for how to make it or try to make it in the industry, but what happens if, you know, like, is there any alternative thing for you to pursue as well that maybe you can get excited about that you can then bring around full circle and merge it with some creative side to you later on? But maybe going straight for the creative part in the beginning is not, I mean, that's a very, very low percentage approach. I think there are so many examples in the industry where being creative means nothing if you don't actually have the the life experience to actually draw from, Mm. right? Like, you know, a writer who hasn't gone through a lot of interesting or difficult situations honestly, is less likely to have good stories than somebody who's been through a lot, right? And for me, I brought my medicine background. That's where I draw from oftentimes in terms of being, you know, the storyteller that I am. If I didn't have that, my life fortunately has been good in many other ways. Good times don't make for good stories, kind of like I said before. It's like you have to go through something 
that you learned a lot from. And usually that involves some degree of pain and trial, but that actually not only matures you a lot in life, like Deb said, but then I think creatively gives you really something to draw from, even if it was painful. Like, I mean, so many good movies and projects and pieces of art, sculpture, poems, they've all come from places of pain where the creator just, I mean, there's just angst and confusion and bitterness, but out of that, they get the energy to create this masterpiece that really gets somebody else's attention because then they can relate to it too, right? That's very well said. May that be true of all of our lives, that the difficult and challenging times can be transformed into something beautiful. Thank you, Dan and Deb, for taking this time to share about your life journey. For those of you listening, I encourage you to check out the Marriage Course for Entertainment Professionals. You can find out more about that and the other courses Navigating Hollywood has to offer at navigatinghollywood.org. I look forward to our next time together. Until then. Bye. Bye. Bye.